Hello everyone, and welcome to Video Games Are the Worst Thing on Earth. I am your host, Alton. With me, as always, is Reese. Hello, Reese. Hello! And today we have a very special guest, Casey Explosion. Hello, Casey. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... I'm awake. I'm awake. Uh, Casey is very well known for these uh, Twitter threads, uh, and... I can't speak for Reese, but I'm a really big fan of your industry analysis and uh, commentary on political events. I watch Casey on Twitch from from time to time. Very enjoyable streams of Armello. Armello. It's like a digital board game. Seems fun. I've been tempted to get it, but I already own too many video games. That's Isn't right. It's not just the struggle. It really is. <laughs> Uh, that's the goal of this podcast, to eliminate as many video games as possible. So we can finally start working on our backlog. So that we can finally achieve socialism. <laughs> oh yeah, Karl Marx very very famously said, only when we have finished our backlogs can we achieve <laughs> socialism. <laughs> he was very ahead of his time. <laughs> That's when he released his, his infamous Steam Completionist Manifesto. Anyway, we have a, several important topics to cover today. There's the Polygon op article, which is very long, but also very good. So I can give like a general overview of what happened. Polygon has released a giant expose on how Epic has been basically in constant crunch mode developing regular updates for Fortnite. It's been going on for, like, months. And this expose comes, like, it's timed perfectly with the release of even more information regarding Crunch at Netherrealm, and then a previous article, I believe from Kotaku, talking about the absolutely toxic work environment of... Uh, Bioware when they were developing Anthem. And so we've sort of been hit in the past month or so with a triple threat of a summary of just how absolutely bad the AAA gaming sphere has become. Fortnite, uh, which has been going like nonstop since I think late 2017, mm -hmm. has, uh, you know, everybody's always lauded it um, for. How they keep it so fresh and so interesting. And then suddenly this article drops and you're reading that like, oh, yeah, they've been working, uh, <laughs> you know, 100-hour weeks. Um, because if a gun breaks in the middle of when they're developing uh, Thanos as something <laughs> that you can be in Fortnite, you know, you got to stay late. And they're just like the, the bosses leave after dinner. Um, the oh yeah the main the main people that they uh from the article well this is a real long article we'll kind of just sum up and maybe mm -hmm. read the i think we should read the tweet thread from the nether realm prop artist okay um, as our source material um but you know they were talking about here this one quote i have highlighted we went from maybe 20 to 40 tickets a day to about 3,000 tickets a day jesus and so they just they had they something like quadrupled the number of people um, you know, and that you, you weren't allowed to leave unless you got through 200 tickets. I'm not going to pretend, you know, to know what's the best way to, you know, manage that kind of workload. 
but it's it's a clear-cut case of abuse. You you look at just the way that it these people would crack up uh, under intense stress and uh you know you you have to there's no other real conclusion that like the the fun video game isn't isn't worth it. Casey, do you have anything to say? It is a pretty horrific situation, but it's it's not just what we're discovering now is that it's not just one or two companies that are doing something that is quite abhorrent that we're quite shocked by. Mm-hmm. This is happening industry-wide, it seems. And um, you're saying that um, this has come up in the last month or two, all these articles. It's been brought up before with, um, was it last year when the expose about what the telltale people had to go through from chronic mismanagement and 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 then getting unceremoniously sacked yeah that was dreadful it was absolutely shocking and yeah what we're finding out is that these aren't exceptions this is this is what the norm is and it shouldn't be 100 percent it's been sort of like a slow trickle of information regarding the basically the malpractice of crunch in the industry and that it seems as though like every now and again there have been these articles sort of revealing how one such and such company had like horrific crunch issues leading up to launch i think what makes this feel slightly different to me is that in those previous instances there was an amount of time between the events that basically allowed for that perception of it being an isolated incident to take place. And now what we're seeing is like all of these stories coming in at the same time, which I think is really starting to cement how bad of an issue this is industry-wide. And it's not even isolated to companies working in the United States either. I know of, uh, for example, that can is like some of the stuff that happened with uh, Konami and how <laughs> how employees were basically shuttered, gonna like kept on kept on the job but demoted, right. and they wouldn't let them leave the company, but they just like you're a janitor now. Yeah, deal with it. Like it's the, it's there's a level in vi- of vindictiveness there, and. We kind of get the idea that this was, at the time, shocking. A lot, a lot of people could not get their head around the idea of a company being so utterly vindictive to its own employees. What we're realizing now is that, oh no, this is industry-wide, it seems. With Konami specifically, um, they did one of the most horrific single acts I've ever seen, I've ever heard of from a game dev. Um, a Super Bunny Hop video discussed how the business interest that owns Konami also is heavily involved with health insurance in Japan. Oh, really? And a big, oh, yes. a big element of their vindictiveness would be to withhold or fuck with an employee's health insurance were they to not do what they wanted them to do. Whoa. I had not heard that one. 
I'll, I'll find the Super Bunny Hop video so we can put it in the show notes because with, you know with that kind of claim, I want to have the the extra <laughs> the extra footnote there. I've heard the that first hand accounts from Jim Sterling where he talks about just how messed up the corporate culture there is. Um, so it seems like everyone's being just yanked around uh, like constantly, mm-hmm. but. It seems unusual in that they would sort of take a cash cow like Hideo Kojima and the games he produces and just like throw him out as like unimportant. Like in Western countries, you don't see that as much with the sort of top level uh, people in the companies, but they just treat the basic level employees as like disposable and consumable. So they just burn them out, getting as much work out of them as possible and replace them. Part part of the problem, as I see it, is that we have kind of moved away from the idea of the the rock star developer. Mm. I mean, if you can name people's names who've worked on a lot of classic games, we we we, we can we can instantly imagine the likes of oh Warren Spector and Ted Levine and people like that. You know, it's like. Mm-hmm. We're we're get we're getting games now where the the idea of the the creator is is kind of it's very alienated. We we seem to be we're playing a product. It's not as in our faces who's behind us. Just a company. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. The director slash authorial vision type of mm. setup. At some point, I guess video games were very focused on imitating the film industry and i think that that sort of had an influence on how the director of the video game was sort of treated as that rock star director mm. person and i think that the industry is starting to move away from that i think you're right the the director has been i think replaced by the company itself you you mm. hear now it's a bioware game they they hired back like one big name from bioware but a lot of the people that uh, we love from Bioware don't work there anymore, but they want to be able to sell you that name and that idea. Mm. Well, there's, Pep- still a, there's still exceptions. Like um, David Cage, for example. Oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe that would actually be better. <laughs> uh, that's more of an argument against the idea of putting names <laughs> in video games, but... Emotions. No, I, I, I kind of I have the idea that... Um, it's a kind of flawed thing that I would be arguing in favor of because, you know, video games are a collaboration. It's not, you know, the, the idea of the rock star developer, you know, it kind of overshadows the other people who've worked on a game as well. However, the idea of a creative force, some, somebody we can, a person that we can attribute a game to, it's, it's, uh, it's important. I agree uh, with you on all fronts that I, I don't think that we should discount the idea that it's incredibly hard to make a video game and it requires a lot of extra work behind it. But at least when the Rockstar development period was happening, it it felt more like there was a greater degree of humanity because at least there was a human being involved somewhere, Ooh. it felt like. Um, here, the like the only humanity involved with Fortnite is just like the screams of the crushed and oppressed it's <laughs> a very yeah. a very different tone jesus we still have a bit of that in japan for example 
I think it's sort of weird. I feel as though there was a period in where you could get your name established and Mm. associated with your product and like as a like a director and like a visionary person. And I don't know if anyone recently has sort of been able to get in on that. Miyazaki would would be. And uh, Yo, Yoko Taro, I would say, yeah. too, is is a recent example of that. Um, but I, I would say it's I can only imagine uh, think of examples from Japan, not, nothing Western. Uh, well, I'm not, I'm not really as familiar enough with it to actually make that claim, but it definitely does seem at least in places like uh, Nintendo. It seems as they have a much, much different culture from like the sort of corporate powerhouses in the U.S. Well, we just haven't heard about it yet. Yeah, there's, there's definitely that possibility. Yeah, kind of hoping, fingers crossed, that you know some, some of the, some of the studios that I like from Japan are, 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 are some of the good ones, and they're not overworking their staff to death through hard <laughs> crunch and eighty-hour work weeks. That would definitely be preferable. It's nice to think that somewhere in the world it isn't as messed up as it is here. Well, uh, but also my layman's understanding of Japanese work culture is, uh, is not flattering. Um, no, I, I, not. I don't know. I, I, I would not consider myself, you know, uh, nearly as much of an expert. But, you know, I, it seems to me uh, my notion would be that it's the sort of thing that would get, uh, there would be less of a whistle blown if those kind of conditions did exist, mm. if maybe because there's either like a tighter hand on the reins, like with Konami or it's just, you know, just not, not the way it is. I, I do. I do see a lot of Japanese companies as being okay. Well, they, they still have these, these names. So for example, if you ever played a Koei Tecmo game, you could often see Ko Shibasawa's name, kind of uh marqueed at the start of it like it's like it's a big deal and i i love that mm. i love that Absolutely. that we have mm-hmm. you know a big here here's the here's this big producer and uh all these all these characters i i, I really do love that and i that is something that i want to see more of for me i think that uh that's actually you know unrealistic and utopian and that the only way to actually make video games is to grind up developers into a, a paste and <laughs> <laughs> feed it into a machine that spits out video games. And you don't have to think about people at all. Just blot out all <laughs> all thoughts except the video game. It's interesting because uh, we've gone sort of a full 360 from where video games started, uh, where... You know, originally in like the old timey days, they didn't even have credits to the video game because of like the limited space on the cart. Mm. And they're like the very first, uh, this is just such a fucking nerd fact, but the very first Easter egg in a video game is from Adventure where they have like the creator's names hidden in the, in the game, which... I feel slightly gross making that reference because it's just, it's now associated with Ready Player One. <laughs> yeah, oh, in the old Nintendo games, um, it would just be like music composed by Starman, directed by P uh, P Hoppy, and just 
just these nonsense names they created for themselves. It's it it is a weird place that it came from. Mm -hmm. And then we went into like the authorial directive phase, and now we're going back to you're just cogs in the machine. Uh, Casey, I wanted to ask you, um, not to you know ask you to to solve the crisis, but in your experience, kind of like knowing people and reading about these things, is there a direction or a place? Um, you know, unionization is the the most obvious answer. Um, mm. But you know, what are your thoughts on kind of like the direction that we should go to to get this fixed, to to get this in a better place for all of us? Well, as you said yourself, unionization is is dead. There's there's a lot of momentum there, and as we're seeing in the in the response to all of these articles highlighting abuses and underpin that and saying yes, this is abuse. This is incredibly abusive. All these articles that are coming out and people who are speaking up, there is an outpouring of shock and disgust, and I hope it gives gives the developers themselves a sense of the, the, the audience is behind them. For example, I, I, I said on a thread the other day that um, if there's any, any game developers who are hurt in retaliation for unionization, that I'll, I'll be happy to signal boost any, anything that they're doing for strike funds and, and do a fundraising streams for that. I think that you are 100% correct in that, you know, what we share with game developers is that they are workers too, and that the only way forward in a situation of capitalist exploitation is solidarity of the working class. And the methods that you mentioned of signal boosting and raising funds to protect those organizing to uh, combat exploitive labor practices is probably the only is probably the only real serious answer to this problem uh, and for a couple of uh, non-serious answers i would like to say that we uh need to nationalize the video games i want to nationalize video games reese let's do it <laughs> I, I want when Johnny Cage rips <laughs> off someone's butt, I want that to be paid for by taxpayer boomer money. There is actually a serious argument to nationalize Steam. And I'm, it's, it, I've said it as a joke, but mm -hmm. um, treat it like it was a telephone company. And, you know, if it's, it's providing a service. Good idea. There's there's the germ of an idea in there mm -hmm. that whatever distribution service that should be that should be nationalized. I mean, I don't think if you were to try again a thousand times, you would ever find anything that is as centralized and is with the amount of investment that people have in Steam. I know that there's those websites that you can go to where you can look at the value of your Steam account, and I will never oh. go and look at oh that my because God. it would deeply upset me <laughs> to, <laughs> to learn how much I've put into there. And uh, you want to talk about a crash. I think this, the great gaming apocalypse 
uh, for PC gamers anyway, it will be when Valve decides that Steam, uh, the Steam storefront isn't making them money the way they want it Oof. to anymore. And, uh, you know, obviously not going to happen this year or the next, but at a certain point. But in two years, uh, <laughs> it, will, I mean, it will happen. Epic will finally uh, <laughs> double tap Steam and <laughs> there will be just an apocalyptic outcry. I heard, I heard a disturbance as though a million gamers cried out and were silenced. You know, we goof, but, you know, the, the Wii store is closed. I bought things on the Wii store that mm. I can no longer access ever again. Mm. And, and I'm just like, okay, well, th thanks. I, di I didn't want to play <laughs> those Nintendo games again anyways. I have them on the computer. But still. Yeah, it's, no, it does bring up serious questions about um, consumer rights. Mm. Do, do you own what, you, what you've bought? It is the kind of conversation that people will start to ha have to be having this conversation soon. I think that that conversation, I mean, it started a while ago, but I think that there is a YouTuber called Ross from, uh, like, Cursed Farms. Oh, yes. The creator of the Freeman's Mind series and the Game mm -hmm. Dungeon. And he created his magnum opus, his over an hour long video on exactly this topic about game preservation. Mm, absolutely have to see that video. If you haven't seen us, just do drop, drop this, whatever, whatever you're doing. <laughs> yeah. If you're at work, stop, watch the video. Your boss will understand. Tell him it's about video games. Make your boss watch us. <laughs> call a meeting. And you all watch it in the conference room. <laughs> yeah, stop, stop your entire company for that day and just watch Ross explain to you the legal definitions of ownership uh, and how we, the path forward for making video games. You own the license for life, basically. If you're currently recording a podcast, leave <laughs> the podcast to go watch the video. Oh fuck me! <laughs> God damn it! I I left the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to translate at all into like the actual podcast. But uh, yeah, Reese as a bit left the call, <laughs> which would have been, it, I think, if he had left us hanging for a little bit, it would have gotten funnier though. Okay, next time I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll reuse this joke. <laughs> These topics are, I guess, so tied together in how the sort of unsustainable business practices for both sides of like development and distribution are leading towards well it's not necessarily leading towards something but it has the possibility of becoming like the implosion of video games at least on one platform 100 percent problem is that it's it's looking extremely toxic for game developers and it's looking really bad for people who are buying games you know so it's it's a case of gamers right gamers rise up um for my second uh non-serious uh suggestion of how to fix the video game industry problem is uh narco primitivism we just destroy <laughs> all the technology and live out in nature. No, 
No, Jesus, no. <laughs> I have allergies. I will be miserable and snotty. I want to be inside playing video games and comfort. I agree. Alton, Alton wants to create the Pac-Man board with sticks and rocks <laughs> and then move a piece of fruit he, ra- he found around the board no, he and say, this is fruit. exactly the same. It's, it is exactly the same. And what I'm saying is that when Call of Duty in real life comes, when the, you know, climate change hits, uh, you'll be ready because you're an anarcho-primitivist. I, I'm chronically Irish. I will burn. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be inside and cool and comfy. All right. So do we have anything else to say about crunch and the industry and game, game preservation before we move to our next topic? I think one thing that we could talk about in terms of crunch is coercion, mm-hmm. because almost universally, this is this is a thing that is, oh, well, we're not demanding that the devs work these hours. It's, it's a suggestion, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's pretty fucking dark to be blunt, because there is always an implication. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe these game developers don't want to work those crunch hours. You know, maybe they're just they're just afraid of what will happen if they say no because of the implication. Mm. You know, the, the implication, um, there's a thousand more people who will also work $11 an hour for mm. 100 hours a week um, just because they want to work in video games. Mm-hmm. The other element of coercion that I think it's talked about a little least, a little less, is what Jessica Price talks about, where the gaming companies will kind of on the sly employ the more reactionary elements of uh, ga- gaming gamers oh, yes. to silence uh, anybody who speaks out. You heard people for Fortnite and Mortal Kombat, um, you know, they say just shut up and play the game. Um, Jessica Price had, you know, just a wave of harassment uh, because she was vocal uh, online and had opinions that were not, you know, really weren't that offensive. They just weren't in line with what the gamer babies thought. And I think that a lot of game companies encourage that when they encourage their fan bases and they uh, build that cultivated identity. That's what they're doing. Unpaid Pinkertons. Exactly. So there 100%. is, there is this. There is actually an article all about this from Rhizome.org called "Worse Than Scabs: Gamer Rage Is Anti-Union Violence." And if you're interested in that topic, I highly recommend reading it. We probably don't have time to go through the whole thing, but it does cover how basically the reactionary elements of gamers have been mobilized to do, you know, exactly that, to try and, like, silence these voices in the gaming industry that are calling for things like unions. I will have to read this article when we're done. Well, I just want to say that this is all in service of my point that uh, we should pirate Nintendo games (laughs) and, and play those instead of buying Mortal Kombat or uh red dead 
I, I'm actually joking. I don't think any of the most of the people that I've heard do not think that a boycott or you mm-hmm. know, not neither do we think that your your consumer choices make an impact. Um, Pretty much, you know, all it does it, it the people who would be hurt the most by you not buying Mortal Kombat are the people that uh, who who were who are hurt under crunch. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean that would just get them all laid off, and then like the company would just go make some th- other fucking game that they know people are gonna buy and not pay too much attention to. It is kind of horrible because I'm very conflicted about the new Mortal Kombat. On one hand, it looks fantastic; I want to play it. On the other mm. hand, all this microtransaction bullpuck. The slightly twisted thing about Mortal Kombat to me is that there's not even microtransactions. It just requires you play an insane amount to unlock it, and you can't even purchase anything. They just want you to suffer on the wheel of gaming to get your scorpion spear tip. Which, incidentally, if we win the revolution, is the the punishment we will subject all gamers to. I can't wait to put <laughs> Ian Miles Chong on the wheel of gaming looking forward to it uh me too speaking of gamers let's talk about the only good one <laughs> the me. Only... yes casey okay the second only good one <laughs> uh, we we have we have encountered several good gamers at least seven good gamers by this point let's say this is the <laughs> official the official gamer of the podcast yes so, as I was stating in my hyperbole, uh, I was referring to Sonic Fox, the, uh, the infamous black queer furry professional gamer who, according to his bio, will mix your shit in fighting games. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, apparently this is the week that he has discovered... Uh, is the unfortunate dis- discovery of the existence of Glinner. Nobody deserves that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ignorance is bliss, and in this scenario, he has managed to stir up a hornet's nest of absolutely <laughs> just vile, vile people. It's truly amazing. Um, so the source, it's just a video entitled all he all he says is what i do to turfs <laughs> and it's it just it's mortal it's kombat being mortal kombat pretty much just grabbing uh someone from behind and just punching them and i think he's just saying like you're a turf that's a turf it's like that golden one video yeah so for some added, added context to that the voice actress is uh sonia blade in the new game is a bit of a transphobe oh so it's kind of Ooh, I, fuck. I was not aware that Ronda Rousey was a uh, was a transphobe. That definitely yeah. is extra context and uh, that much more awesome from Sonic Fox. And this this video, this simple video where he plays a video game and says the word turf. I'm obviously, pretty upset by the transphobia i guess i'm not aware of this situation so i guess maybe the the voice actor said something she was quite publicly outspoken against trans women in sports i see 
And I've heard she's oh, okay. a Sandy Hook truther as well, which is <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, yeah, she's quite quite a bit of a controversial character. So, and <laughs> that's putting it lightly. So cheekily venting some frustration at. Mm-hmm. That's what what the 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 little video clip was about. And this obviously, if anyone famous has something like negative to say about TERFs, then it draws the attention of a little gerblin known as Graham Linehan, who jumped on this and posted, not only is this garbage still online, the person who did it is verified. What the fuck (laughs) is going on? And basically it triggered a a mass report of the tweet, which did nothing. Um, (laughs) And there's... There's a lot of hilarious pearl clutching. Um, the best tweet, which I've been trying to find, but I can't, but to paraphrase, was they were invoking the mosque shooting to say, like, the world is so terrible, and now I have to look at this, and then it's, like, just a link to the video of Sonic <laughs> Fox. It's just, like, so such, absurd. It's such performative outrage, because they're trying to claim that oh, this is this horrible slur, so that, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's bullpucky. Oh, you did a swear. Yeah, well, you, you said, 100%. said bullpucky. <laughs> we will edit out the cuss. <laughs> Not on our Oops, Christian podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, at least personally, I just want to highlight how Sonic Fox continues to be awesome. 100%. Um, he is awesome. It's been a, a thorn in the side of just the worst people online and off. I, I, I'm glad I know the, the context now, because I, while I'd heard the Sandy Hook thing, I was not aware about that other stuff with Ronda Rousey. Uh, but not, not surprised. <laughs> so the terrible dimensional goblin known as Glinner doesn't <laughs> usually have uh, too much cross-section with... Uh, our gaming nonsense, but he's still a massive, just legendary piece of shit. Um, and so I'm glad he's uh, he's mad. I'm glad he's getting mm. owned. The thing is about Sonic Fox is that since he's like deep into like the fighting game community, from what I understand, shit talking is a form of art among uh, fighting game players. And so it is just wonderful watching just this clueless like middle-aged washed up um comedy writer go up against the young and powerful sonic fox as he just verbally owns him on twitter.com so for anybody who is not aware of Linehan, the whole reason that he's mad is that some trans people criticized his comedy show over mm. a decade ago and since then he's 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 got this axe to to grind, and it's the worst supervillain origin story <laughs> I have ever heard. But now he's like he's like um, just constantly mad online and trying to uh, rob children's charities of their funding. Mm. So if, if Dickens was alive today, he'd sue him for copyright infringement. <laughs> I'm I'm glad you provided that context because it is true, and sometimes it's easy to forget that these people there there is an origin to it i haven't i haven't watched any it crowd but my understanding of that episode is that it is actually uh, quite disgusting 
in the severity of transphobia and the fact that he cannot even take a little bit of a note and instead it just like has to twist his entire personality around it um Couldn't this makes it that criticism. much more monstrous like graham linaham was in opposition to gamergate like years ago and it's interesting in that he's now trying to fucking conflate this criticism on him from the left as like something that is like somehow associated with Gamergate. It's it's like he he was in opposition to Goobergate, but mm. just the only thing he took away from it was how to use their tactics because he's been sending harassment angry little harassment mob, mobs to uh, individuals on Twitter. And it's like, uh, you're doing the exact same thing, you horrible goblin man. The lack of self-awareness is stunning. Like, it really is. Absolutely incredible. To me, it's not even like the post-to-post nature of it. It's just how it's just a constant, unending st- stream of transphobia. He just like wakes up at 3 a.m. and just starts posting <laughs> and just like goes to bed at midnight. It's it's insane. It is truly uh, it's awful. His brain has been so melted by like mild criticism. Of one one episode of the IT crowd he did decades ago that he spends like at least six or eight hours a day on his shit, completely in opposition to the rights of trans people. But I don't know. I wanted to bring this up just because Sonic Fox, he is doing such good things and just making fun of and, like, ridiculing this bozo. Just for a little context as well, Casey, this is maybe the fourth or fifth time we've discussed Sonic Fox on the podcast. Just, like, every new... Thing that he does, we just have to be the stand podcast for him because he he's he's an excellent bean. Do we want to move to the next topic, or do we want to try and like keep beating the dead horse that is Glinner? I I don't I, think we we need to because he's 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 already been Thanos snapped out of his existence why spend any more time on this six-piece chicken McNulty? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call that a thorough owning. We should move on. Agreed. So this next topic, um, did you want to talk, Reese, about the review bomb that people left for Assassin's Creed Unity? I do. Very well. Uh, I'm just, I'm just going to read this because it's, it's very short. Alrighty. From Polygon, uh, Gamer's Most Loathed video game news website. Hell yeah. Uh, by Owen S. Good. I'm glad that they got him to write instead of Owen S. Bad. I hate Seriously. that kind of fucking guy. <laughs> Review bombers go after Assassin's Creed Unity to praise Ubisoft's Notre Dame effort. Here's a story about review bombs, but for a change, it's a nice one. The Steam community ganged up on Ubisoft this week, but this time it was to cover Assassin's Creed Unity in praise for the publisher's efforts to help the restoration of Notre Dame de Paris. Earlier this week, Ubisoft made the PC version of Assassin's Creed Unity free, 
and chipped in another 500,000 euros to rebuilding efforts for the 856-year-old Notre Dame, whose roof and spire burned on Monday. Uh, the cathedral is a prominent landmark in Assassin's Creed Unity, French Revolution-era Paris, and Ubisoft made, made the game free so players could explore uh, Notre Dame virtually as it was before the fire. The complimentary reviews are enough to take the game that has a mixed reputation, and to be fair, deservedly so. Put an image of like the weird fucking eyeballs and teeth bug, <laughs> where it's just like the face is gone. Uh, just ships just like coming out of the abyss <laughs> in the ocean, just like knocking the NPCs everywhere. It <laughs> sounds amazing. The Assassin's Creed Unity's poor critical reception and bug-filled launch was enough to summon an apology at the time and put the annual series on hiatus for 2015. Ubisoft also offered free games and DLC to those who purchased one of the special editions or DSL season passes. Paris-based Ubisoft also ran into criticism from some French politicians for its negative depictions of Robespierre and a sympathetic portrayal of Marie Antoinette. Oh boy. All seems for <laughs> All seems forgiven now in light of Ubisoft's philanthropy. Steam has not, of course, flagged the game for off-topic review activity as it did when angry users rushed Borderlands 2 to give Gearbox Software the finger over Borderlands 3 being a 6-month exclusive on the Epic Games Store. When Steam identifies a game as getting review bombed, scores from that span are tossed out unless the user sets a preference to include them and then you can get the game for free and a uh, billion dollars has been pledged to repair uh, no notre dame uh flint still does not have clean water i added, I added that last part yeah um, i just think this story is extremely interesting to me personally because you live in notre dame it's, it's true. I'm homeless now. Quasimodo. The Quasimodo of podcasts up here ringing the bells uh, I, for y'all. None of the... <laughs> none of the monks are around to rub ointment on my hump. Uh, anyway, going past that. I think it's interesting because... It's just you hear so much about just like the, the slightest little tantrum causing a review bombing and it's it's better to do this than to trash a game that uh, doesn't deserve it i guess but this is a game you know that is rightfully uh you know criticized as being you know just just utterly terrible and them trying to just put something out because it was whatever fiscal quarter and uh, they just wanted to have something to to bilk people and, you know, for all the free DLC or whatever they handed out, you know, I'm sure that they did the bare minimum to to keep things going. And, you know, I don't have a ton to say about it, but uh, as you responded, Alton, uh, it's like, ideology is, <laughs> is the main response when you hear something like this. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, it's cool that Ubisoft did this, but there's sort of like ulterior motives, right? So... You know, so obviously this is free publicity for Ubisoft, positive publicity. It's free for like a couple of days. Um, I mean, I got it for free. I'm not gonna, I'm not proud. I'll take free stuff. Uh -huh. <laughs> but it's not going to be free after this. And now the fucking store page is like up to very positive, right? Yeah. 
So it's just sort of like a very shrewd business move. So something that is probably, it's probably worth noting that a lot, a lot of people did not like Unity initially because it was, it was famously buggy. Now there's a lot more content than when it first launched. It's, it's probably a lot more stable. The, the, the bugs and kinks have been worked out. You know, it might be if a load of people just got a, got a game for free that they're quite pleased about, you know, maybe some good positive reviews popped in there and it's just like, okay, you know, maybe it's not a case that maybe there's a degree of honesty there that we're looking at compared to launch, the reviews have gotten better because the game is in a better state than it was at launch. If people are, uh, legitimately think the game is good and are leaving positive reviews because they made the game better, I have no problem with that. Looking over the reviews, though, uh, and the time played on the reviews, I get a sense that that, at least for some of them, uh, isn't always the case. Suddenly, you know, like Ben Shapiro and other kind of alt-right white supremacist types bemoaned it as a symbol of Western civilization. Mm -hmm. And I get that same vibe here. Maybe I'm wrong. But that, that I think, is an element, too, that I find to be... Uh, not so great, personally. Um, but if they did play the game and they liked it, um, you know, that's great. Listen, Reese, I play Ubisoft games not because I enjoy them. I fucking hate them. But I love Western Civilization. <laughs> I just can't get enough of crawling up all around and inside that Western Civilization in a video game. All right, well, I think we're about... To uh, ready to wrap things up. We have just like one thing. Uh, we have another fantastic post from friend of the show, One Angry Gamer. A little grain of salt mines. Mm-hmm. We just have one little nug of salt mines today just to wrap things up. And so this comes to us from a One Angry Gamer. SJWs outraged over Nintendo removing trans flag stages from Smash Bros for being political. And he posts a little emojis like, ha ha ha, I'm laughing at you. And then uh, a person responds, that's literally their name. At least I don't get mad when a Mortal Kombat character isn't specifically designed to make me horny. To which one angry gamer responds, you absolutely should. <laughs> <laughs> one angry gamer is definitely a member of the rogues gallery <laughs> here. Um, he is champions issues of just embarrassingly horny <laughs> video game content which don't necessarily doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing but you know he he paints it in his worst the worst light possible and it's just part of these contortions that the chuds are making to somehow conflate that the costume changes in mortal Kombat are connected with the grind and in another discord i was in uh, in response to this stuff, they were like, get woke, go broke. I was like, I actually think Mortal Kombat 11 is selling very well. Just like all caps, get woke, go broke. And it's like, all right, buddy, have a good one. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know what that attitude. complaining about because that new Shiva redesign is, it's like absolute micro-targeted to make, targeted to make me mm -hmm. weak at the knee. 
Yeah, it's just like it. Oh it does God. make it does make people horny. It just doesn't make you horny, and you and they think that that's unacceptable. You know what I mean? You know, I know what you mean. Just imagine I'm wiggling my eyebrow right now, <laughs> <laughs> but it's wiggling. All right, so I think that's about everything. Is there any more topics we want to cover? I don't think I've anything else to add, except trans rights. Hell yeah. Trans rights. So, Casey, where can people find you and your great content on the internet? You can usually find me hanging from a tree upside down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or it's at Casey Explosion on Twitter, Twitch, and Medium. And do you have a Patreon? I can't remember. I do. I don't, I don't link to it much, but... Um... It's somewhere. Patreon.com slash Casey Explosion, all one word. If, if you want to support me, um, you can make a terrible decision to, <laughs> to, to do that. Or when I'm streaming, throw some bits my way. I'm always happy when that happens. Instead of buying Mortal Kombat 11, give the money to Casey. Or don't. I, I'm, I'm not particularly stuck right now, and I feel terrible about, like feeling guilty because there's more people who deserve it i'm like well think about it this way if you do get the money then you can just forward it to those people i i'm i'm i just spend it on more furry art <laughs> <laughs> well listen uh be guilt-free it's it's us who are pushing your patreon mm -hmm. uh you are Fair you enough. are you have no responsibility here reese where can people Go and find you to yell at you for pushing KC Explosions Patreon so hard. Uh, you can find me at your very good bud on Twitter. I also do Twitch stuff occasionally now. Also at your very good bud, and follow my uh, my link in my Twitter bio to my YouTube page because I don't have enough subscribers. I'm not allowed my own personal username, which is dumb. <laughs> All right, and you can find me at 8alton8 on Twitter or at AltonPlays on YouTube. You can find all of our episodes at... VideoGamesAreTheWorst.Pinecast.co And you can also find all the VODs on my channel. Uh, you can also find our Patreon at patreon.com slash which is just the first letter of the entire extremely long uh, name of the podcast which is video games are the worst thing on earth. And uh, thank you for listening. And thank you, Casey, for uh, your time and your uh, wonderful reasoned thoughts. Thank you for putting up with my bow pucky. <laughs> oh, dang it. Two curses in a row. We're going to have to scrap the whole pod now. Going to have to edit that out. <laughs> More work for Alton. All right. Yes, thank you very much for coming on the podcast, Casey. I think that you had some very, very good uh, contributions uh, it's one of my favorite things about having guests on the show is that like they always think of things that we don't because we are uh, kind of dumb. And we also go down just like 40 minute goof digressions <laughs> um, that really need to be recentered. So otherwise we just have to edit the, all, them out, out anyways. So is this, is this over? It's ended? I will um, say our final goodbye. Oh, okay. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.
<laughs> this completely context-free the context-free goof. We we cannot uh, we cannot do a single podcast without some kind of noise. It's either Alton belching or Dago uh, <laughs> Dago saying sneeze. I just remembered. I... I was streaming with I was on H Bomber Guy's stream at one point mm. and <laughs> and it just something that happened was he asked me a question about sport and I just burped. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just this very sudden <laughs> I didn't expect it. It was it surprised me. It was just like Boop! and um he burst out laughing. So you just and, belched uh, in H Bomber yeah, guy's face. Just, just, Pretty cool. Well, not his <laughs> face, his but digital face. I, I burped. I burped at his question. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was the other. There was another time when, um, when I first first joined the 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 stream that on that night, and he was he was um, he had some big preamble about. Um, storage space and something like that something he bought and you know, backing up stuff it's just big long preamble about rambling away about uh his new whatever and i was i just after he was finished i was just sorry i wasn't listening oh my god <laughs> that's nice that's my favorite bit i do that one to reese all the time he loves it <laughs> he uh, he also belches in my digital face. So now that now that we know we, we you two have more in common, we can have a <laughs> we can have a return. It's honestly so common that we've we've basically come to refer to it as uh, sounding the gamer horn because <laughs> it's usually like at the beginning of when we start playing something. It's two a.m. here now. Oh my so goodness! I'm going to, wow. Uh, Jeez, thank you for coming on at like two o'clock in the morning. I'm usually awake this time anyway, so don't worry about it. All right. It was it was good timing for me. So I I will do you do you want a spoiler for an upcoming something or Ooh, yes please. Yes. I'm doing some voice recording for Jim Sterling. Ooh. That's awesome. So I won't tell you that any of the context, but you you have you have a spoiler Ooh. for something Casey related. <laughs> That's awesome. Get hype, man! I can't wait for the spoiler to drop. Like after I've finished editing, at three weeks after the thing comes out. <laughs> Thanks again, Casey, and have a good night. All righty, take care. Bye, Casey. Bye. Okie dokie. Now it's time to go uh, part of the show where we read out our five dollar patrons. All right. Let's see. Let's see what Conky has in store for us today. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, let's start with the first one. Goat Napper. Thank you, Goat Napper. Good luck catching those goats. Thank you, Robert Miles. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my god. It's probably time for a new long name joke. Also, fuck turfs, they suck. Surprisingly Excellent. thematically appropriate for this episode. 
Uh, and that was Conky, by the way, in case you couldn't tell by the long-ass name. Thank you, Conky. Uh, thank you, Nate M. I think Nate M came and visited my Twitch stream, kind of out of the blue. So thank you, Nate, for that, and thank Excellent. you for the Patreon. Higgins the Seagull, thank you very much. What up, Higgins? Wie geht es Ihnen, Junge? That's a little joke. He's just German. He knows, he knows what that means. Uh, Nathan he, Melby. He knows I don't. <laughs> Nathan Melby. Uh, thank you so much. Oh my goodness. Robert M. Fenner. Thank you very much. Kyle Reed. Thank you. Kyle Reedman. Thank you. I think we're getting to the point where we might have to start moving it to a different tier or just like doing some or just read them out without being super like long winded about it. Uh, Tom Devan, the video game man. Thank you very much. Dissonant Dragon. As always, thank you so much. Brandon Carey, thank you, who has been a patron for 10 hours, according to this, which is awesome. Right under the wire. Jordan, our friend Jordan, uh, look out for an upcoming episode. I am on his um, (laughs) video games, I suppose. The episode coming out this Wednesday as we're recording, so it should be out by the time this episode's out. Where we talk about the ultimate gamer. <laughs> the the competition reality show. We watched some of that and he was like, this is what I'm going to have Alton do. I'm just like, this is perfect. Yeah, I almost wish we had recorded my live commentary of it because it was incredulous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we needed an oh boy count. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you all for patronizing us. Uh, we will have more the premium content on the way. We've just been inspired to make more uh, game mags episodes because we've been going through some old shitty mags and found just pure treasure. Hopefully, by the time you're listening to this, the Mandy episode has also been dropped. So, Yes, and that one will be a gigantic episode talking about a very, very good film. All right. So till next time. Bye everyone. Thank you. And goodbye.